we're back. Oh, brother. You again? I know you miss me, Figgy. Don't lie. We also miss the Mets. Well, they're back. Spring training games are underway, and we finally get to see baseball. Hallelujah. Boy, I never knew you were this religious. Jake, the Mets had a busy offseason, but did they do enough? We'll address a winner full of storylines in Mets land. We'll also chat with Mets legend. It's 1986 World Series champion outfielder Mookie Wilson. All that, plus the Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy is next on the return of Amazing But True from the New York Post. Let's get it, baby. Crazy, yo. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks. It's out of here. We got you. And now, here they are. Brooklyn Zone. Number 27. The F-I-double-G-I-E. Nelson Figueroa. Astoria's finest. Number 69. It's Jay Swizzy, Jake Brown. Welcome back to Amazing But True. Let me get some oxygen. Our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. It's your boys, Jake Brown here. Nelson Figueroa there, the former Mets pitcher, Emmy Award-winning analyst whose hair looks like it hasn't been cut since before the pandemic. But we're two handsome fellas here back with Amazing But True every Monday, taking you through spring training, and then we will resume Mondays and Thursdays when the season gets rolling in April. Subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts, but if you do use Apple Podcasts, give us that five-star rating. Write in a nice review. Follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio at Figgy and why Figgy. It's like, I forgot how to do this thing. I mean, it's been so long, you know, we had the off season show when the Mets acquired Lindor and we had the show, you know, your Christmas treat with the Pete Alonzo interview and, you know, Steve Cohen's epic press conference. But other than that, you know, we've missed a lot. There's been some bad news and firings that have happened. There have been some good small signings. There hasn't been any major moves, but otherwise, a pretty busy offseason in Mets land. Yeah, it has been a very busy offseason. Uh, you have new ownership. Uh, you have some old familiar faces back with Sandy and Omar Manaya as well. Um, then you also have the team. If I was to tell you that the three major players that everyone was clamoring, and it was almost a done deal as soon as new ownership was coming in, right? Real Muto, Springer, and Bauer. All three are in Met uniforms and going to be in camp and they're going to win the World Series for the next seven, eight years. And yet not a single one of them had been signed by the Mets. Would you be disappointed? Well, here's the thing. I think Springer, you should have had him. I think you, you didn't go 25 million more. You hurt your defense in center field. You hurt your bat. And I'm not one of these Brandon Nimmo haters. I think he's a good player. But he's probably better in left field and he's probably better platooning with someone. And he's pretty much your center fielder. Now they, they bring in Kevin Pillar, who's going to get time. I kind of like Kevin Pillar. You know, a veteran, a good defensive player, has a little speed. Maybe his, his better years are obviously behind him. 
But in that role, I like him. But yes, I do think they missed out on Springer. Real Muto is tough because they decided early on McCann, and Real Muto took forever to sign. So that was a tough situation. Bauer, listen, Bauer is not worth $40 million a year. He's already causing headaches. He's already caused headaches, Figgy, with Mets fans with the, you know, he he donated to charity. Syndergaard took the shot on him for oh, Twitter yeah. for, you know, thinking it was, you know, could get away with putting the uh, gear on his website and then just donate to charity to kind of sweep that under the rug and that whole sh- uh, parade. So the only move I look at are those that you made that the Mets should have made was Springer. I mean, you should have gave him that extra $25 million. He goes to the Blue Jays. Otherwise, I don't hate the offseason like some people do. You got to think of Lindor kind of as like two or three players because he's that good. And, you know, you got pitching. You got Carrasco. You overturn the rotation. You bring in Taiwan Walker. You know, the Stroman comes back. The rotation is far better especially when Syndergaard comes back and he's rehabbing through sliders on Saturday. So I don't know. I don't know about you. I'm pretty positive about the offseason, but I do think during the season, Figgy, there will be more moves to be made. And a lot of that also will depend on Seth Lugo's health. Yeah, without a doubt. I think the Mets did a, a ton of moves, which is, is rare for them also in an offseason like this. I think they did some good under-the-radar type moves. You know, uh, Albert Amora is only 26 years old, locking him up to a multi-year deal um, on the cheap is, is a good move. Pilar is a guy who can play that gold glove type center field and make the highlight plays. Uh, I like him as a defensive replacement. Taiwan Walker signing as late as he did. I'm not totally sold on Taiwan Walker yet. I, I have to see consistency and him being able to be on the field. He's always had that injury history. He reminds me a lot of James Paxson in a Yankee uniform. Let's see what he does. He is fun on Twitter, though, and he does like wine. So if you're fun on Twitter and like wine, you're you're in good in my books. I think, listen, the, the big splash still with the Lindor Carrasco move, that's going to pay off huge and, and big-time dividends. Me with Springer, when it came to looking towards the future, do you go Conforto or Springer? You got to pay one of them $150 million. Who are you going to pay? Well, I mean, this is not Jeff Wilpon's team. It's Steve Cohen's team. So my hope is you could get both of them. I get it, but there's got to be some kind of – because you're looking to continue to restock, right? You're looking to continue to have enough flexibility – um, it's one thing to go out and pay, especially somebody $40 million who uh, that don't even get me started with that. But it's another thing where you're looking at, well, for that same $25 million a year, can we lock up Conforto and bring back Syndergaard as long as he's healthy? Because you, he's going to be the next one in line that's going to need to get a pay increase. And you're looking, where is he at now with the injury? Is he now in Wheeler ballpark when it comes to money? Or is he, because I think now with Trevor Bauer, even Stroman, Stroman, they only got for 18-9 because of the qualifying offer. Stroman becomes a free agent next year, and he has better numbers than Trevor Bauer in his career. Is he going to ask for $40 million because maybe he wins an 11-game Cy Young? That is that the difference maker to make him worth $40 million to somebody? Even that the Mets made that offer, that to me is kind of mind-blowing because you were thinking about offering that guy the $40 million, but you weren't going to offer an everyday center fielder the $25 million, That's like you exactly said. That's exactly what's scary, Figgy, especially when Trevor Bauer's ERA and I said this, uh, I got to be on WFAN a few times over the offseason. It was a busy offseason. You know, one of those times I said uh, to JR Sport Brief, I said, you know, $40 million and the guy has the same career ERA about as Jake Odorizzi, who's still on the market, asking for 15. And Jacob DeGrom makes 5 to $10 million less a year than Trevor Bauer. So how are you going to tell me that Trevor Bauer was even worth the offer? 
It, it just blows my mind that they wouldn't kind of throw the extra 25 or $5 million extra a year for Springer and lock in a you know all-star center fielder, but you're going to go get a guy who's been a career number two or three starter. I mean, Carlos Carrasco's even had better stats than Trevor Bauer. So throwing out the bizarre 2020 season, Trevor Bauer's numbers are very mediocre. So that that made no sense to even throw the offer out. But, I mean, luckily for the Mets, he chose Hollywood and he chose the defending champion and the team who, you know, might is going to be right there uh, to potentially repeat because that rotation, good God, Dodgers are stacked, bro. No, big time. And and I think that's the thing you look at is I, I was weighing much more of the stuff that could happen off the field. It wasn't necessarily between the lines and for the six, seven innings that he would be pitching each and every time, every time out. There was more of all the drama brought upon with the whole the decision as if he was LeBron James and then going to have to play second fiddle, third fiddle, possibly to, you know, who was already on the Mets rotation. He for Christ's sakes, he was playing third fiddle back when it was, you know, Carrasco and, and, and Kluber. So how would he have accepted third fiddle? and making 40 million with a big smile on his face every first and 15th. But other than that, I mean, the reality of it is I I think the Mets have done a lot to make that divide between the starting nine and the next guys up a lot closer and and is not a huge fall off for guys like Luis Guillorme, who, you know, had a nice uh, season a year ago. He's almost seems irrelevant with all the people that they brought in. And you got, you know, VR is a guy that they added as well. So it, it, it's, it's a lot more competition. And we, I've actually seen Guillaume have a quote that says it's good to have be around talented players. That's what you want. And I, I like the attitude of, of the Mets thus far in spring training. They're, they're kind of all pushing each other. They're helping each other. Lindor is helping J.D. Davis, where a coach can say it so many times. Hey, feel the ball like this. Hey, try to do this when you're fielding the ball. Hey, do this when you're fielding the ball. They've tried working with them, and it's just not clicking. But you get a guy like Lindor who comes over and says – hey, maybe try it a little bit differently and it could be the same exact thing. And yet J.D. Davis is working at it and may get better at it and it helps his defense. Uh, Beltron used to do it all the time. Carlos Delgado used to do it all the time with the younger Mets players. I remember Pagan used to follow uh, Beltron around, you know, like a puppy, wanting to soak up all that knowledge. And that's what you want is you have superstar players now. Any pitcher who's not following Jacob deGrom and, and trying to see what he does on a day-in and day-out basis is really missing the boat. So I think that's where I look at the Mets now. And you look infield, you got Lindor, you know, you got somebody like Jacob deGrom to follow around. You got these young guys that are growing into their own and it's a nice mix and and you have some guys who have you know played some playoff caliber baseball i I think it's really everything's on going upwards always awaiting that first injury and see what happens from there good morning my neighbors i mean (laughs) come on lindor is already you fall in love with him he wears that mets kind of starter jacket from coming to america now you have coming to america the second one coming out this week i'm excited for that and I mean, it seems like a little late, but I guess it's good to at least bring it out during, you know, still in a pandemic here. I'm actually eligible, Figgy, for, you know, we always joke on this show about me being fat and eating chicken parm and just eating copious amounts of food. Because I'm fat, I can get the vaccine, which I'm excited about. So 
uh, after we record the show, I'm, uh, you know, refreshing the, the page, trying to find an appointment. I mean, trying to get this appointment. I hear you could just show up at City Field and get it, but I don't know if that's the case. So I'm still trying to find an open appointment. These people are scouring these up like the the, san- the chicken teriyaki samples in the food court <laughs> at the Roseville Field Mall. They're going quick, so God forbid I get that. And, you know, two things I can't live without, Mets baseball and chicken parm. Well, I always got the chicken parm. Now I got the Mets baseball. Monday they open spring training against the Marlins we could finally see some Lindor you know we could see the experiment you know this is what we're going to be talking about all of March Figgy is that defense we're going to say right now there is no DH which screws the Mets over let's be real the Mets need the DH so badly because it gives them so much more flexibility but we're assuming there's no DH and that would make the lineup Nemo in center McNeil second shortstop Lindor Alonzo first Conforto right, left Dom, third JD, and then off the bench, you have Villar to replace JD. You could have McNeil move second to third. You have Luis Guillorme, who is a good defender, and, you know, he hit out of nowhere last year. In the outfield, you have Almora. You have Jose Martinez, too. Don't sleep on him. He could have a role, especially if there's a DH. A couple of years ago, he was a really good hitter. He's fallen off, but not a bad bench player to add on a one-year deal, especially if anyone goes down. Um, So defense is the thing we're going to be talking about. And bullpen. I think those are the two things. We don't know the roles yet, but it seems like they're giving Edwin Diaz the closing job. And I know he had a good year outside the four saves, Figgy. And you know know how we talked about, I'll trade him for a pack of Dunkaroos, I screamed last year. There's no real other closer. That's the problem. They can't give it a Batances. They can't give it a Familia. And Lugo's hurt. And they didn't go out and get Shane Green yet. They didn't go out and, you know, get a Jeremy Jeffries. They didn't go get Brad Hand. So that's the other question. Is the bullpen for us? Yeah, and with the bullpen, of course, it comes, uh, are you trusting Edwin Diaz? I think he's earned it back. His stuff played up. His strikeout numbers were off the charts. And um, it wasn't ever a, a swing and miss thing that we worried about. It was just every time they swung and they made contact, it left the yard. So we saw a different Edwin Diaz last year. That confidence was back, and and that's what was really most important because it was never the fact that he wasn't throwing 98 to 100 miles an hour. It was the fact that every time he threw a hanging slider, it wasn't hit for a base hit. It was gone. So I, I know for from experience, you need that confidence. He got that confidence back, and with – Pitchers, especially relievers, it's not a small sample size because that's as many as he would have relieved in 100 games possibly. Um, So I I think he's back. I'm not worried about the closer role. I am, when you look at the lefty-righty matchup late in games and what you're going to be able to do, having that veteran lefty, you know, I expected Justin Wilson kind of to be back. The fact that he didn't go to a minor league deal with the Yankees. Yeah, which makes no sense to me. It makes I feel like no he'll... sense because if you're even giving him a major league offer of one year, why would you take a minor league offer to go to the Yankees? That again, there's been there's been reports of all these offers that have been made to other players and a lot of money being offered to other players that just don't make sense that they're not in a Met uniform and and. Steve Cohen has said that as well. What do you think? We're not offering green money. We're offering money. We're offering contracts and people aren't signing. And with. Zach Scott, you know, the, you know, the new acting GM obviously replaced Jared Porter and the sexual harassment stuff was just an awful, obviously we haven't had a show, obviously nothing we would condone. And then, you know, the, the hitting coordinator quietly fired uh, Ryan Ellis over sexual harassment. So that's another reason in terms of the harassment side, you had to stay away from Trevor Bauer because all the things, you know, he does on Twitter and everything. But yeah, man, I mean, that's the thing. Zach Scott says they're, not, they're done, but 
Shane Green is still out there. Shane Green is a guy who can close games as well, who you could trust at the back end of the bullpen. Just look at his stats. So I know he says they're done, but listen, I can't imagine signing Shane Green to a one-year $6 million deal, whatever it's going to cost, is going to kill you. So that's that's a lane they have to look because I don't think they did enough for the bullpen. They have guys, but, you know, you want to be more – you want to have more arms and less, Figgy. You know, pitching wins games, and we always see the injuries this team goes through. So, listen, I like Aaron Loop. I would have liked to bring Justin Wilson back. But outside of Aaron Loop, you know, we might see a little Tommy Hunter who's had a good couple years. They signed him into a minor league deal. Jared Eikhoff has apparently opened some eyes at spring training so far to a minor league deal. Mike Montgomery, Jerry Blevins. Hello, Jerry. He's back. So, you know, they got these guys on the scrap heap, but a, a Shane Green would be a nice icing on the cake for the offseason. I always, I, I keep saying trade for Chris Bryant, trade for Chris Bryant or Matt Chapman or Eugenio Suarez. I don't think those are happening. Maybe down the road, get a third baseman as well. But one more bullpen arm, Figgy, and I'll feel so much better about this team. That's really all it's going to take for me is one more arm. <laughs> well, that's that's a good thing then. You know, I, I expected you to be a little bit more disappointed after the Springer and, and Real Muto non-signings. You didn't even mention McCann in the lineup, which was funny to me. But McCann, where is he going to bat in the lineup? And do you trust that his, you know, his his uptick is real? Um, or is he going to be able to produce those kind of, of numbers he over better. the course of, well, that's what they're paying him for, right? But uh, yes, they got him a, a, a discount. The drop-off was very steep compared to... Real Muto, but you know what Real Muto was. That's guaranteed, you know, production. That's guaranteed guy behind the plate that that can do the things that um, he can do. It's left to be seen, I think, when it comes to that front. The Mets have, they tried to get Wilson Ramos when he was the best offensive catcher available, and they did that, and all you did was say, why did we sign this guy for two years? So I, I, I'm still waiting to see when games start. I want to see that cohesiveness start. Um, you know, McCann has done nothing but praise these pitchers that he's worked with for the first time. It's going to be interesting to see how this all gels together. You talked to Stroman last year, the, the Mets were the team to beat. You talked to him this year. The Mets are still the team to beat. Um, but now, you know, when he's all in and and he's going to be at the top of that rotation, a lot's going to be expected of him in this bounce back season. And I like Stroman. I like the swagger. I like his his Twitter, the HDMH, you know, height doesn't, what is it? Height doesn't mean, height it? doesn't mean heart. Height doesn't, uh, Sarah oh, McCrory, Sarah McCrory, can you look up HDMH? Marcus Stroman, what does it stand not for? HGH. No, not HGH. HDMH. Height doesn't matter. Uh, heart uh, does. Dot, height dot, doesn't. I got it. What is it? Height doesn't measure heart. Height doesn't measure heart. That's it. Um, yeah, I'm 6'3", so my height does measure my heart. I'm tall and oh, I have a heart. There it is. <laughs> Um, but a couple other moves, you know, that before we, you know, move on here, Khalil Lee was an interesting move because they used one of the prospects, Viggy, that they got for Steven Matz. They went out and got three prospects for Matz. Two of them are probably going to be big league pitchers this year. Two of them have pitched in the big leagues. You know, one the third guy is who they traded to get this kid, Khalil Lee, who steals bases like a maniac and might be in the majors this year. So those were a couple under-the-radar moves the Mets made that, you know, those kind of moves are what, you know, could be the icing on the cake for, you know, championship contenders is those guys, those obscure moves, you know, the Reed Foley's that they get. You know, Steven Matz, you know, he didn't have a role, Figgy. It was, he had to go, and they went out and got a couple prospects for him. So I liked that deal. We got a lot to get into this month. We got Mookie Wilson coming up in just a little bit. Maybe you'll see us in Port St. Lucie to be determined. 
I know my Casper-looking ass needs a tan right now. I'm trying to get bronze without having to hit the Beach Bum Tanning Salon. Coming up next, we debut Figgy. We don't have Jose Reyes for it, but we do have a Puerto Rican man with a backwards hat on that co-hosts this show. It is the debut of the Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy right here on Amazing But True. You're listening to Amazing But True. It's the debut of the Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy. So I took seven years of Francais. Bonjour, monsieur. Seven years of French. What a waste. My mom told me she would get you. My mom was like, I'll help you with your homework. She didn't help me once. Sorry, mom. I love you, but you didn't help me with that homework. And then I tried to switch to Spanish in college. And, you know, they're not putting your name tags and saying hola. They're, you know, it's pretty deep when you start in college. So I had a tough adjustment. So I have my co-host here, Nelson Figueroa, to take me to a school free of charge, the Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy. Well, one take, Jake. We're going to see if you can comprende and spit back to me exactly what I'm saying. So we'll start out with today's word. The first word of the day is spring training. Entrenamiento. Entrenamiento. <laughs> One more time. Entrenamiento. Entrenamiento. I keep mm, messing it up. Oh, so, this is a so tough close. One. So close. Maybe I'm deaf from my new AirPods Pro on noise cancellation. All right, here we go. Third time's a charm. Give me, give me again. Entrenamiento. Entrenamiento. Oh, mm, this so is close. a tough one. Miento. Miento. That's the part you're, you're missing right Give it there. to me yeah, again. You almost got it. Entrenamiento. Entrenamiento. There you go. Ding, 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 ding. Keep, we'll give you that one. Keep, wait, that keep saying it because I, I think three, say it three times. Entrenamiento. 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 Wow, this is Spanish for dummies right here and amazing but true. Entrenamiento. What was our second word? Oh, I don't even know if I got the first one, so I might have to take like a D plus for the grade for that word. Entrenamiento. 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 It's still six different words that you just broke. Oh, all right, what's next? What Francisco Lindor said in honor of coming to America. Uh, oh, you want to do a whole sentence? Yes. <laughs> We're doing word and a phrase. Gotta, word of the week and a phrase. You crawl before you walk. Entrenamiento. You know, just fly. <laughs> buenos dias, mis vecinos. Oh, my God. All right, so buenos, buenos dias. That's easy. Uh-huh. Mis vecinos. What is it? Mis vecinos. Mis vecinos. Buenos dias, mis vecinos. Yeah, there you go. Good day, my neighbors. Good day. day, Buenos dias, mas vecinos. Mis, mis, not mas. Mas means more. Sarah is here laughing at me because she clearly knows Spanish. Sarah, is this an embarrassing effort on my part? It's embarrassing, but I don't know Spanish, so don't ask me. All right, so I'm not alone here. Buenos dias. You want to try it? Try it, Sarah. All right, say it. Say it again. Say it again, Figgy. Buenos dias, mis vecinos. I'm not doing that, <laughs> Sarah. We're trying to teach you a new language. This is Rosetta Stone for I free. Took, I took four years of Spanish in high school. I can't say anything. All right, one, say hola. one more. Hola, senorita. I know that. All right, <laughs> give, give me the two again, Figgy. One more read, and then we'll move on to Mookie Wilson here. Spring okay. train. Spring training. Give it to me. Entrenamiento. Entrenamiento. Not bad. And then we have Buenos dias, mis vecinos. Buenos dias, mis vecinos. There we go. Oh, I can't You're wait to go down to Florida and say that to Lindor. I mean, he'll love me. He'll love me. Buenos dias, mis vecinos. 
Oh man, so I love that. Just Vecino for him because it would just be one of him. Vecino's is a neighbor, plural. Forget welcome to Amazing But True. I am starting every show with Buenos Dias, mis vecinos. Every show. <laughs> Coming up next, it's a lovable Met. It's the 1986 World Series champion, Mookie Wilson, right here on Amazing But True. Joining us now is a beloved former Mets outfielder that spent 10 seasons in Flushing from 1980 to 1989. He hit the ground ball heard around the world that got past Buckner in game six. He would later go on to manage the Mets in the minor leagues and coach for the big league team, including being the first base coach from 1996 through 2002. He's also made a gospel album, and he's an author of the book Mookie Life Baseball and the 86 Mets. It's 1986 World Series champion and Mets Hall of Famer. Give it up for number one, Mookie Wilson. Mookie, it's Jake <laughs> Brown and Nelson Figueroa. Welcome to Amazing But True. Hey, Mook, how disappointed are you that we're not in fantasy camp uh, in January again? <laughs> I think, man, I actually miss it, man. You know, I tell you, um, you don't know how much you miss things until it's not there anymore. You know, that second week, you, you get to be tired. You know, you're a little bit tired. You know, get a little bit boring until some of the guys do something really crazy week they normally do. I miss it. I, you know, I really miss it, man. You know, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it. Actually. Did Figgy ever strike you out, or did you take him deep? <laughs> we never got the. Fr- hey, I'm not that old. Hold on, let's I was back a second. I'm not that old. To- I wish I got to say- face Mookie. I wish yeah. I got. I, yeah, I, I came up. I came up with Preston, so I didn't get a chance yeah. to ever face Mookie. But even in no, fantasy uh, camp, the pros don't play each other. We actually play against the Joes, so we get to play yeah. against the campers, and uh, I get to bat. One of my highlights, I got to bat behind Mookie Wilson, so Mookie would lead off, and he's still fast. <laughs> Puts it in the gap, legs out a triple. That's an easy RBI for me. All I got to do is put it in play, and he scores. So I can see how the 86 magic works so very easily. Oh, man. You just don't tell my age, you figure, man. Yeah, you play with my son. Yo, man. Shoot. Right here in Columbia, as a matter of fact. You were here in Columbia for – Yeah, Columbia and then Binghamton. Binghamton, we uh, actually roomed together. Yeah. Um, and, okay. And he actually – he took over my uh, took over my apartment. I moved in with a couple of other guys. He wanted to live the big league life, you know. He was already feeling spreading his wings in double A. <laughs> but uh, I, I remember one of my first experiences down being a Met is uh, I, I put on my uniform, and I always tell this story how I had Howard Johnson's jersey, Doc Gooden's pants, and here I am walking out there, and they say, hey – Go help the outfield instructor with, you know, shagging the fly balls and, 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 and catching all the balls in from the outfielders. I go walking over there, and who is it? Mookie Wilson. <laughs> I'm like, the outfield instructor? You call that man by his name, damn it. So a great thrill, of course. It's a, one of the first coaches I get to meet is Mookie Wilson, and uh, we've been friends for a long, long time. And we actually got to coach yeah. together in fantasy camp, and oh, yeah. uh, we laughed. Hey, we, we thought we picked oh, yeah. the dream team, right? We had a bunch of 30-somethings oh, yeah. and a couple no, of 40-somethings. No yeah. by, game, by game three, Mook, they couldn't even move anymore. No, they were done. They were, they were done. <laughs> oh, absolutely done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you did mention Preston. I feel like we got to have Preston on to the same call. I wish, Figgy, you, uh, you surprised him or something because you are Preston Wilson's stepfather and uncle, and he was, you know, you're both big parts of Mets history. You're an 86th World Series champion, and he was part of the trade that brought Mike Piazza here. I mean, thank you to uh, to Preston for that, Mookie. Well, yeah, you know, um, I, I, I'll be honest with you. When you mentioned that trade, I was, I think I was, 
upset when that whole trade went down, mainly because no one told me about it. You know, that was, that was the biggest thing. It's not that the trade happened, but um, listen, I, I think every parent wants something special they can share with their son, and that would have been a special, special, special deal right there. But um, I got the coaching for a week in No in, in No Shea Stadium, and I think that was more than a lot of parents get to do. But um, the trade, it worked out for everybody. He got an opportunity to go out and, and make a name for himself, you know, and we got one of the best hitting catchers in all of baseball. So um, it all worked out pretty well. Yeah, so that's, a, that's a weird exchange now you you, you mentioned it because you were coached there that they trade, yeah. you know, your son for the greatest hitting catcher in baseball history. So part of he's like, hell yeah, we just got Mike Piazza. The other part, like, all right, son, like, <laughs> go enjoy life elsewhere. Yeah, it was, you know, and I, I'll be honest with you, when I heard about it, a fan told me about it when I walked in the ballpark, get ready to go to work. And I thought fans just, fans just run off at the mouth and want to say something about, you know, trade rumors and that kind of stuff. But no, it actually happened. So I didn't know about it until around batting practice time. And it's Michael, yeah, you know, that, that was the deal. We got Mac Payasso. I said, huh, huh. Well, I'm funny that way. Nobody mentioned it to me. I, well, not be honest with you. Sometimes you can think it's a little more important than you really are when it comes to that kind of stuff. You know, so they really didn't need my permission, but it would have been nice for me to give me his up. Figgy, that's way before the Jeff Passan and the, the Twitter and the f- <laughs> finding out trades on Twitter days, right? Just think about with social media, imagine back in, you know, the 80s and especially that 86 team. How, how long do you think that would have lasted with the 86 team, social media? Uh, you know something? I cringe when I think about social media, you know, in that team. You know, I cringe. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, go, go, no, I, and I'm going to say we. We were ball players. We weren't, you know, social advocates, okay? You know, we wasn't to say, well, this is the way you should be. This is it. No, I mean, it, unfortunately, that's the world we're living today, and no ball player asked for it, but it goes along with the territory now. Um, but I'm just glad that it would have been so much adversity in that clubhouse because we had guys that. Dance to your own drum beat, man. You know how that was, but they were both. That's a great way of putting it. Oh, I mean, that's a great way. TMZ would have been running with Lenny Dykstra doing a line of Coke at Studio 54. I mean, it would have been insane. Uh, So we're probably better off that, uh, you know, I don't know if that 86 title happens if social media and the internet was a thing back then because, you know, it would have been page six. It would have been TMZ. There would have been so much stuff out there. And, you know, that team was special. And, you know, I think it's interesting that you and Bill Buckner developed kind of a relationship. Like, I used to see you guys at sports card and memorabilia shows signing. I think I I met you guys both to sign uh, one of the pictures back when I was a kid. And uh, talk about that. Talk about that relationship with Buckner that came out of the uh, infamous Game 6 play. Well, no, God bless him. First, let me say, one of the saddest days of my life is when I, I caught the news that he had passed away. Because I felt literally that I had lost a brother. Um, that's how close we became over the years. He would call me at you know all times of day, or you know just sharing news with his family. You know his son tried to play a little bit, played a little baseball with. I think the Dodgers of Cubs, and um, he would call me, you know, give me the update, call me about his daughters, one getting married. Matter of fact, one of his daughters and my daughter get married at the same time, and we had a big thing about. I tell you a little joke about that later on. <laughs> but anyway, we we became so close that we talked about everything but baseball. We talked about everything but '86. It was all about our relationship and, you know, and how we were comfortable with each other. He told me one time, he said, us getting together was the best therapy in the world for him. And he said that, you know, our getting together was not by accident. You know, it was supposed, I didn't know he was a man of faith. I did not know that. And there's a lot of things we don't know about people on the other side because we look for things that we don't like about the other team. We look for that weakness that we can exploit on the other team. So you don't look for anything good. You look for something that you can 
not like man. I just was. I, I, I just my honor for me to be involved with him over those years. And it's all because if it don't happen, if that ball doesn't go to him, who knows what happened? I play Miley ball with his brother, so I know his brother really well. So I introduced myself, you know, cordially when I got called up. But other than that, that's about it, man. But um, but I I gotta tell you this story. A year ago, um, Bill tells me, he said, Mookie, man, well, my daughter's getting married, man. She's getting married, you know, in, in August. And I said, no, man, Bill, I said, man, my daughter's getting married in August, too. So he told me that his daughter's getting married. He said, you kidding? I said, no, man. And my daughter was getting married in August. We get married. I said, oh, man, that's funny. He said, man, that's crazy. So I go back a month later, and I said, Bill, my daughter's getting married. Guess what? She's getting married in July 9th instead of August. He said, man, you just got to beat me in something. You just got to beat me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of beating him, do you think even if he fields that ball, Mook, do you beat him in the first base? We talked about that um, many times, and we actually looked at the video together a couple of times, and uh, we both agreed. He said, and, uh, he said, even if I catch that ball, I'm not beating you in the first base. Just, and do you I'm think just, Steamer, not Steamer's not going to beat you to first base to cover either? No, right? he was out. You're safe no, regardless. Out yeah. I think what happened, because he hesitated, and if you notice, now, now that you know this right here, in a game like that, you got the winning run at second base, and it's two out. Defensively, you play in no doubles down the line. You don't want the ball hit down the line. You, you, don't, you don't want the ball hit down the line. Well, my question was, why was Bill playing off the line? Why was he that far off the line? So I'm thinking, Stanley, Bob didn't really look to check out the situation because he's got a veteran over there. He, got, he should be on the line. So he really didn't look. So he, when he made the pitch and hit the ball, he just, you know, he's either going to be fouled, going to be right at him. And then he hesitated. And by the time he hesitated, it was too late. It, it, was, it was done deal. Well, know. speaking, we, we've talked about this before, right? Because, uh, I mean, how many people have told you that they were there at that moment? You told this number before. Oh, at least maybe three or four hundred thousand people was at their game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know stadium, when it was sitting. Stadium, yeah, stadium held sixty thousand. Yeah, six but... full Shea stadiums on top of each yeah. other was the amount of people. I have yet to meet a person that wasn't at that game. That's, that's I, I was not because I wasn't. That. I wasn't born of Figgy, so I missed it. But my aunt has given me the game, the ticket from that game, so there you go. Uh, so what, what Mookie is saying is so true because they're not supposed to be playing in on that. It's supposed to be playing no doubles. You also told a famous story in spring training about everybody else in that inning got a two strike hit. You get up there, you get to two strikes, and that wasn't your forte. So maybe they were thinking, "Hell, he's not going to pull the ball. He's just going to put it in play," and that's why he wasn't playing on the line. Oh yeah, I'm thinking. I, you know, and I, I've never we we talked about it. And, well, listen, here's what the whole thing was. You know, and, and Bill and I had a conversation about it, and he relayed some things to me that I did not repeat. But let's just put it this way: that whole situation was set up for another play. And we leave it at that. Right. Well, now I want you to repeat this because it sounds it sounds great. Damn, we're, we're missing the juicy <laughs> the juicy stuff, Mookie. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I mean, you know, but you know, um, and I don't I don't mean this to be as a a, a slide or anything, but there's some things that happen in the game and in your life, you know, that you carry to your grave. You just don't say it. You just, you just don't repeat it because it serves no purpose. 
And this is one of those things. Yeah, Figgy's got plenty of those. He, he's going to carry the <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it, it listen, amazing but true with Mookie Wilson joining us, Jake Brown, Nelson Figueroa here. I want to know something about you and a gospel album. Like, you want to carry stuff to the grave? I, I, I might have to hear you sing some gospel. We are recording this on the Sunday night. It is the Lord's Day. Can you tell uh-huh. us about this gospel album? Do you have, like, a verse for us? Do you have a sermon? No, I no. Well, you know, I'm not the minister. Uh, um, I'm in, a lot of people don't know that. I'm not the minister. As a matter of fact, when Nelly somebody takes about tonight, I was in a Bible study, actually. That's why I didn't get right back to it, but... Uh, I knew I had this going on, and I've been in church all my life, singing the choir, and not a great singer. You know, I'm just like the noodles you put in soup don't really make a difference, but it's in there, and it's got to have to compete in soup. So that's what I was in the choir. Um, but you know, I I love singing, I, I, I love music, and when I retired, I was bored. <laughs> I, was, I had nothing else to do with my time. I had nothing else to do with my time. My father was a great singer. My sisters outstanding singers. Matter of fact, they had a gospel group for years. Um, but the boys never could sing. We we played ball, we couldn't sing. And, you know, I was always a little amateur writer. I, I write. And so I took my thing. I wrote some lyrics now and stuff like that. Uh, you know, so I, I met uh, these people. And they, they said, oh, let's put some music to it. That's what happened. That's how, we got, that's how this song, the whole album came about. So we went and had it. We recorded it. Went down to Charlotte and, and recorded it. We, I, we did it as just a project as a hobby. We didn't do it to make money, to sell anything like that. I think we sold maybe three copies. That's about it. Um, I got about 400 of them up in my attic right now. There's a bunch of them. <laughs> just, you know, they give away and stuff like that. So, but it, it was great. It was a great experience. I enjoyed it. And it's, I think it was something that I was supposed to do. Supposed to do. I love that. So, listen, I'm a white Jewish man who is very much into gospel and choir. As as someone who loves yeah. Sister Act, Sister Act Two, which is better than the first one, yeah, and the uh-huh. Fighting Temptations. Um, I could speak on this, uh, but I, I'm very intrigued by this. So basically, Mookie, as you're telling Mets fans, could get you to do their weddings. Yes, I've yeah, I've been doing weddings after the past. Ooh, great day. Mm. I've done about four in the last uh, what. Two years, I've done four weddings. Um, did a couple on, on the beach. Uh, did I think a you're missing down, out. I think you're missing out on a huge market because yeah, there are Met fans. <laughs> there are diehard Met fans. Could you imagine coming down the aisle and it's Mookie Wilson is the minister? What? <laughs> and now pronounce you husband and wife, Mookie Wilson. Oh, I love that Mookie. Yeah, well, you know, I, you know, it's not something that I, you know, I publicize or advertise to do. I we will do them, you know, you know. Yeah. Listen, we're doing it for <laughs> you right now on Amazing But True. We are advertising you to ordain a freaking wedding. Let's do it. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's City Field, oh. too. I know you can make that happen. Oh, I mean, well, well now, that's, hey, now, you know how that works. Uh, get something done at City Field. They, you know, it's like pulling teeth. Man. But, <laughs> but it's Steve Cohen now, you know. You don't even need to write a check. He, he's got it covered on his, on his tab. I'll let them work that out. Okay, I'll show up. They work it out, I'll show up. There you go. I Fig- like it. Figgy, I like look it. what we've just started, Figgy. Look at this. Mets fans uh, are going to be pumped no here. Kidding, no Oh, man. I'm telling <laughs> you, man. Oh. Steve Cohen said Steve Cohen said he was going to do something for the fans. It was more about the fans than any, uh, any owner in baseball. So we'll see if we make that happen. Coaching. Um, your coaching career, and could you coach the modern-day player? Figgy, well, you've seen me in um, spring training. You've seen me. You know, in fantasy camp, I'm very passionate about coaching and instructing. I know those guys in fantasy camp, they're not real athletes, okay? But my enthusiasm for the game doesn't change them regardless. I, I love coaching. And can I coach today's player? Of course. Because at the end of the day, it's still about can I throw, can I catch, 
can I hit? Can I run? Those things don't change. You know, the numbers, okay, let the people who do all the evaluation. My job is to teach them how to do those things, not how to create numbers. Yes, I could coach the dance team. Without a problem, I wouldn't have a problem with it whatsoever. I just need to let you let me know what you need this kid to do. Then I will work that and I will get the most out of that kid that he has. I will get it out of him if it's there. You know, and I can, you know, look, hey, like I said, if you're going to make almonds, you got to have eggs. Okay, I got to have something to work with. So I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Figgy, he could coach them and get them married all in one. Like he, Mookie does one. it all. Listen, what, what, what can't he so do? He's a five-tool coach. I love it. <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you the truth, right? Right now, off the top of my head, I have at least four or five friends, family members that have named something in their lives Mookie after Mookie Wilson. There's been stuffed animals. There have been dogs. There's been a car. Let's uh-huh. not call it. It's Mookie. So everybody has love for Mookie, and this is why this this is a man who's he's a humble man, but he is a man that will give you everything he has. Whether you're a 72 year old fantasy camper or seven foot tall man who's never played the game before uh, from England. Oh with, with man, that's my favorite. That's my favorite guy. Oh he's, man, he's working with this guy. So I'm sitting there going, "This is Mookie Wilson trying to teach a seven foot tall man who's never played baseball before how to swing and and make contact." And this and this guy is listening intently and learning. And there's no one prouder than the moment that he gets his first hit in fantasy camp, and he's looking all over the place for Mookie to thank him so yeah, much for right. working with him. So if you imagine what he's doing for fantasy campers and and for just fans of the game, what he does for these kids, and I was one of them to watch him doing it. You know, uh, for years uh, of teaching the knowledge of the game, there's inside stuff that the numbers don't tell you how to shade over, when to shade over, when to know that your your teammate is going to dive <laughs> like Dykstra did on every single ball and you got to be ready to <laughs> back up. And one of the scariest moments I remember, one of the scariest moments I've ever seen on a, on a ball field was when you guys collided midair like that. Oh. And that's something that... Uh, you dealt with some pretty graphic injuries between that and you had the, the uh, rundown in spring training where you got hit in the eye. Um, you know, those are the kinds of things that leave a mark literally on your career. Well, you know, the, the thing, um, the, the hit now with baseball was scary. They wouldn't tell me everything until after. I, you know, they didn't want to tell me too much, you know, why the whole surgery was going on. I got hit in the eye and they took me right to surgery. And I wasn't worried about playing baseball, but I was worried about will I be able to see again, you know, and that kind of stuff. But um, it it, it all worked out. It had me gave me a uh, I thought I loved the game, but that really gave me an appreciation for the game and 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 playing attention to detail with the game. So yeah, I, you know, I've had some injuries and the collision with Lenny. Today's player probably would have been out for a month. Lenny didn't miss an inning. I didn't miss an inning. We played you know, playing the rest of the game the next day. And, you know, that might have been pretty much we both over probably brain dead at the time, but we played. Yeah. <laughs> Lenny just had a bottle of whiskey that night, and he was good to go the next day. Uh, that's why they call him Nails. <laughs> Still going oh, strong today. Oh. Man, let me tell you something. Nails, Nails is one of the one of the best guys I've ever played beside. And the reason why, because I wasn't worried about him at all. He was going to do his part. I wasn't least worried about Nails. I, I, I loved him. A uh, great teammate. Hey, yeah, he has some issues. Don't get me wrong. He has some issues. Maybe still got some issues. <laughs> issues? But uh, for a ball player, oh, 
You want you want them on your team. You want them on your exactly. Team. That's what we love. That's what all the we love all those '86 guys. You guys had that 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 mix that is very rare. Uh, you know, you had the blue collar workmen. You had the the guys that were clean cut. And then you also had the guys that were downright dirty. And and but you guys always played the game the right way with heart and hustle. And and we we honor you guys still because of that. And that's been one of my greatest thrills as a Met fan growing up. And then joining the fraternity of playing for the Mets that I get to now call you guys friends and and reach out to you guys. And, you know, we, we talk, we text, we chat, we laugh it up now. And, and it's been fantastic getting to know you. It's been, it's been good. I, you know, and I, you know, I, I love speaking with people about the game and I particularly when you talk about the game of yesteryear and, and today's game and how it's changed. The game hasn't changed. The game, the expectations has changed. The game is the same. The things that we value then, they don't put as much value on it now, but they still have to do those things they want to win. So, man, you just have to keep things in perspective. That's all. Hey, and like I tell everyone else, forget about 86, forget about 73, forget about 62, forget about all those things. Enjoy the game for what it is now. Because this is what you have to worry about. Yeah, yeah, definitely forget about '62 as a 40 win season. So you know we, we put that way back in uh, in the memories. That was one of the worst teams in sports history. But luckily you were not uh, on that team. A funny, a quick funny Lenny story before we uh, talk current Mets and then wrap it up. I had him in studio. Uh, I was doing a podcast with CBS in the WFN building and. He uh, Ubered there, a taxi there. The Uber driver, the taxi driver was like, is he drunk? Is there something wrong with him? I think he lost his wallet. So you got to show security and ID at, at the door to get upstairs. He brings two trading cards of him, an upper deck and a tops <laughs> trading card of Lenny Dykstra in a Mets and a Phillies uniform to check in his security because he lost his ID. And luckily the guy was nice and he said, oh, you're the baseball guy. I know you. I'll let you in. But, yeah, funny. That's a... A classic Lenny story, Tr- carrying a about trading right. card. It's about right. Uh, for, forget your driver's license, just carry your trading card. The current Mets, Mookie, um, a lot of people are talking defense and are, they're worried a little bit about Nimmo in center and Dom Smith playing left and J.D. Davis at third. First off, what do you think of the current team and, and what do you think about Nimmo in center? Do you trust him as an everyday defensive center fielder that could uh, provide a bat as, at the top of the lineup as well? Well, yeah, well see, I think that's a, that's a dual, dual responsibility that you're asking this kid. And I, I say kid, he's not a kid anymore. He's a grown man. But compared to me, he is a kid. There's a broad responsibility there. If people, remember the old saying that all successful teams are strong at the middle. You have to be strong at the middle. And center field is one of those positions. And I'm going to say something that people don't really understand it when I say it. Most baseball people do. When you tell me this guy can make all the routine plays, I can get somebody off Madison, Madison Avenue and make a routine play. I want somebody to go save me some runs. That's what I want. I want my shortstop a second baseman, a center fielder, and my catcher to save me run. Save me some runs. Now, if I want just somebody, average person to do it, I'm 65 years old. I can catch the fly ball hit back to it, but I ain't going to save me I, run. I, I, I pay to watch it. <laughs> you know, so, Nebo, yeah, he could play center field, but you're going to always look to upgrade until he improves to that point where you're not. You're going to always look for that upgrade because you know that there's still more of a demand in that position than maybe he has to give right now. That's not saying he can't do the job or won't be able to do the job, but if I have to, he wouldn't be my first choice to play in that position. I love that. Look, this kid plays with heart. Man, I, I love the way this kid plays. But if we're talking physical, 
ability. Right now, I, I think he's probably most suited to play a left field. As far as Dom playing left field, he's a first baseman, man. He's a potential gold glove first baseman, okay? He's got to learn to play left field and to play efficient because left field, trust me, I play left, I play center, I play right. Left field is probably the most difficult of all of them to play. Why is that? It's probably the most difficult. It's kind of something with the angles, the way the ball comes off the bat, particularly you know, off the right-hand hitter. The ball's hooking, throwing-wise. When a ball, ground, ground ball hit the left field, the outfield just expect to have a shot to throw the guy out because number one you have to wait for the ball to go through the infield before he can run when the ball hits the left center field or right field the guy's got to run and start so your chance to very little swim you know so you have to be not only accurate but you got to get to the ball and make the throw and if you're not accustomed to doing that that's a lot to ask on a guy who's not he's a first baseman by trade can he catch a fly ball yeah he can catch a fly ball he could do that and he's going to hit but is he going to save you any runs would well, that remains to be seen I'm afraid to say anything about who's going to win it division because we know the Braves are going to be good. We know, we know the Braves are going to be We know Washington is going to be good. Clearly, we've let's see what happened with Philly after getting the rebound from their, whatever they pulled last year. Well, I thought they were much better than what they played last year. And as for the Mets, a lot's going to depend on, you know, the defense. How many runs can they save? You know, we know last year that defense was a problem. We, we know that's no secret. Did we upgrade in those positions? I, we did not. You know, I think offensively, we're going to score. I think we're going to score runs. I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. So let's see what happens. You know, we have some issues with the bullpen as well. I, I can't say what to win. I do think that they have a good chance to win the division. They anybody. Looking forward to the season. And, you know, first episode of a new season for the podcast for us. So why not go to number one, Mookie Wilson? You could read his book, Mookie Life Baseball in the 86. Mets and at some point we're going to get a city field advertisement for you ordaining weddings because we need that to happen this year too so uh, Mookie uh, thanks for coming on amazing but true we hope to talk to you later in the season hey guys man thank you anytime man Deli, give me a buzz anytime you need me man that says hasta la vista baby to episode 35 the Rick Reed edition of amazing but true our Mets podcast from the New York Post Thanks to you, Jake and Sarah McCrory, for producing the show. Catch up on all episodes of Amazing But True by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Give us that five-star rating and write a nice review on Apple Podcasts. For Nelson Figueroa and his Spanish Academy, I'm Jake Brown. We'll be back next Monday and every Monday in March. Stay safe, stay healthy, and enjoy the first week of spring training Mets baseball. We'll talk to you next week. Adios.